You are now listening to Shy Sox Weekly, hosted by Tony Marchese and John Suarez. Thank you for tuning in to Shy Sox Weekly, episode 49, brought to you by the ONTAP Sportsnet. I am John Suarez, joined with you as always by my co-hosts, Tony Marchese and Johnny Nani. Guys, how you been? It's been a while, Jonda. It's, yeah. Well, not for us, but for them to hear us. It has been quite some time. Yes. Johnny, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good, guys. Uh, yeah, been a while. Good to be back on a Shy Sox Weekly, though. Um, you know, yeah, good to have you two right in front of me uh, on the Skype call here uh, once again. Uh, feels like old times, so uh, good stuff. Glad to be back. It's only been about a month <laughs> since we did one of these. Um, it was a, it was a pretty good season, though, guys. We had a lot of special guests on, and we've got another one for everybody tonight. A guy that we've been uh, waiting to talk to. Uh, had a few scheduling issues with him during the summer, but he's here to talk to us tonight. Johnny, who do we have? Oh, guys, we have Ken W.O., the infamous uh, Ken W.O. of White Sox Twitter. Um, obviously a little bit of a controversial guy, uh, likes to put his takes out there, so we are hoping he will do that in podcast form tonight for him. All right, let's get Ken on the line. All right, we are now joined by Ken W.O. Ken, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Not too bad, Ken. Ken, real quick off the bat, is it Ken W.O. or is it Ken Wo? Ken W.O., absolutely. <laughs> See, I was right, Don. I knew you were right. <laughs> yeah, I got to get the confirmation there. Um, Ken, so uh, obviously, uh, you know, you are a uh, very well-known White Sox Twitter personality. Um, you bring it uh how you feel and uh, you put it out there and you don't really care uh, what the reaction is. So um, can, can you just get into uh, first of all, just how you kind of built that up or uh, is it that I'm assuming that's truly you, um, you know, uh, with what you mean, you mean what you say, you mean what you put out there. So um, just to give us your approach to Twitter, first of all, because that's honestly how we came across you. Uh, yeah. Um that's that's how I am. I don't really care, you know, what the popular opinion is, what the group think is. That doesn't really concern me. Um, I started that way a long time ago. I got started on a blog with uh, Scott Reifert, ran on WhiteSox.com. From there, went to Southside Sox, uh, where I, I wrote there for a little while uh, with the Sox Machine guys, um, and then I just kind of took it to, to Twitter and. I'm able to say whatever I want on Twitter with nobody telling me what I can and can't say and all that. So I like doing that. Awesome, Ken. Uh, Next question. How did you become a White Sox fan? You want to take us through a little bit of the background when you uh, started to follow this team and, uh, you know, just, you know, how'd you become a Sox fan? Uh, I became a Sox fan before I can even remember becoming a Sox fan. Uh, I was born in late 1979, so by the 80s, my dad, you know, early 80s, my dad was watching TV with the Sox on. I would watch every game with him, and we actually, I actually remember going to games in 1983 all the time with my dad. I was like four years old, so um, the Sox have been in my blood since I've been born. I don't even remember, (laughs) I don't remember not cheering for the Sox. All right. Well, that is quite the time to be a Sox fan. Um, 
you know, I myself am a younger guy. I'm only 23, so I've probably only been a Sox fan myself for maybe like 15, 16 years or so. You know, you get right around. I feel like you be, you get into becoming like a fan of your favorite team right around when you start playing baseball. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I I specifically recall my first memories were that 1983 Sox team. Like those are the first memories of my life. So I was a little bit before that, but yeah, I mean, like. The 1990 team, I was 10 or 11 years old, and that's one of my favorite teams to this day. Like, I think once you're, like, 10 in the 10, 11-year-old range, that's your team, you know? Okay, yeah. Uh, I was literally, I was 10 in, I was 9 in 05, so. Okay, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm a baby. All right, but <laughs> moving on, um, we understand that, you know, obviously Tony had brought up, you know, you're, you're a great Twitter personality and that's how we found you. Um, a lot of people may know you for a certain Twitter interaction that you frequently have uh, with someone who goes by the name of White Sox Dave. Do you want to give us a little bit of background of the so-called Twitter beef between you and White Sox Dave? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean... I, I didn't know of Barstool really at all. Um, I heard of it, but I didn't know that it was, you know, anybody that really watched the Sox or anything was on there. So I was just tweeting out about the Sox. And then all of a sudden this White Sox Dave account kept coming at me and I was going back at him. And, you know, quickly I realized that he was part of that, uh, uh, part of Barstool. And he banned me from liking the Sox because I called out Yon Mankata and all that, and uh, you know, so me and Dave have been going back and forth on Twitter for a couple of years now, but you know, I've gotten to know Dave over the, the last couple of years and, or the last year, especially. And, you know, he's a pretty good guy. I, I got to say that he's, he's a nice guy. He's genuinely a Sox fan. So I respect him now, but early on in the Twitter beef, I didn't really care for him. All <laughs> yeah. It's just funny when you, when you're scrolling through the timeline and you see that, cause you'll still see the banter back and forth and you guys like to give it to each other a little bit. Uh, and we, we like that, uh, you know, kind of controversy kind of creates uh, a little bit of entertainment. And, uh, you know, obviously we all want the same goal we're, we're all white Sox fans at the end of the day. So um, just interesting to see those interactions because they're, they're pretty frequent. I are, you, are you still yeah, banned? I mean, are you still we, banned? We don't, we don't, <laughs> I am. I'm number one on the banned list. So <laughs> I'm still banned, but, uh, you know, we don't agree with a lot of the stuff to, about the White Sox, but a lot of times we do agree. Uh, he don't like to point that out though, but, you know, <laughs> more fun not to, I guess. Um, yeah. But, yeah right. uh, so you just getting a little bit back into, you know, you had mentioned that, uh, when you started with where you were writing at and all that, um, but you actually wrote a great excellent Harold Baines article for us over at on tap sports that it was great to have you as a guest post there. Um, any plans to do, even if it's not like a, you know, a full, like really like doing it religiously or anything, any plans to do any more of that? Because uh, I know we would like to see uh, some of that more, maybe if it's, you know, more up that alley, but uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I definitely will do something eventually. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, an every day or even every week thing or, but when, when something comes up that I think I need to write a, a long piece about it, um, I definitely will do that. I am, a, I'm a, I like White Sox history a lot. So when something historical comes up like that, then I, I tend to get more invested in stuff like that than like game to game. And, you know, um, and Harold Baines is growing up, like I said, 1983, that, that was my guy. So, uh, 
that's something that's real close to my heart. So I, I'm thankful that you guys gave me that opportunity to write that piece for you guys. Yeah, Ken, it was it was excellent. I really enjoyed reading that um, over the summer. It was uh, very timely, and I, I, you know, as somebody that uh, used to spend you know train rides into the city reading you know your posts over on uh, Southside Sox back in like 2010. Um, you know, it was really cool to see you, uh, you know, write for us and, and put that piece out there. I really appreciated it. Ken, what are your thoughts though, on this 2019 White Sox season? We're sitting here in October and we're watching, you know, the, the ALCS right now. And if we're reflecting back on the 2019 season, what what are your thoughts on it? Well, I was, you know, disappointed with the the lack of talent that we had, but at least we got good things out of some of the more important guys on our team. Mankata was great this year. Um, that's why I got I got banned from Dave because I called him out for not being good. But now that he's good, I perfectly will say he was great this year. Uh, Anderson played well this year, and Abreu was was very good again, and Giolito obviously. So we got good seasons from from important pieces, but overall it still fell flat. We were still way short on pitching, and when you're looking at these playoffs and you see the Astros and Nationals just running right through these teams i mean it only puts into perspective how far away they actually are from building a staff that could compete at this level um so oh disappointed overall but happy with some of the progress that the guys made yeah ken um while we're still on uh 2019 here um i know you'd mentioned a few of those guys that had uh breakout campaigns what was the one that you were most surprised by uh well overall uh Giolito I was surprised by the most because I didn't see that one coming out I thought maybe he'd be okay like a 12 and 9 or whatever but I didn't I didn't think he was going to go from being one of the worst to one of the best pitchers in the league so that's the most surprising um a little bit surprised at Tim Anderson's batting average and I don't know if I'm fully thinking that he's going to come anywhere close to that for next year but it was a great year for him uh I hope he could continue it yeah, Timmy is definitely nice. Um, Tony, <laughs> Tony had kind of, yeah, Tony had kind of cut in before I had a chance to respond about the Harold Baines article. But I don't know if you know this mm-hmm. or not, but if you write one more on tap sports article, you would have written more on tap sports articles than Shy Sox Jonda. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so you better get you writing, know. man. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Um, he definitely has on. more. He definitely has more views on his articles than you do, Jonna. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Throw <him> some shade. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, kind of right at the tail end of the 2019 season. You know, at the beginning of these playoffs, um, some comments had surfaced from a certain podcast about our owner Jerry Reinsdorf, which I'm sure you have heard about. Um, do you have anything that you have to say about what was said, what was said that allegedly said, yeah, what was allegedly said by owner Jerry Reinsdorf? Oh, I'm sure he said it and it very much fits with his, uh, his team's performance throughout the year. So I, I, it doesn't really shock me because I think, you know, that's kind of what he's been doing all these years and, hoping that one year you catch fire one of what one out of 10 years or one out of eight years, they, they uh, make the playoffs. And other than that, you know, 
especially back when he allegedly said it, they would do just enough to be okay, but never enough to do to be great unless they had one of those magical years. So I think, I think there's no doubt he said it. Um, and it doesn't really surprise me that he said it, that he said it either. Like, it surprises me that it came out, but then when you read that this guy's starting his whole, uh, his whole show about, uh, controversy and stuff like that, then, you know, it's something good to talk about, I guess, for him. I was going to ask you why you thought it took so long to come out, um, Ken, but that, that makes a little bit of sense. And I also want to point out, we've made it officially over 10 minutes on the show, and John Day hasn't dropped an F-bomb yet, and it's really disappointing. It's so funny <laughs> because I was literally about to be like, yeah, uh, my thoughts on it are basically fuck him. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, got but I mean, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. We're allowed to swear on this one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is this is like the cleanest intro that we've probably had since like the first three episodes of the show. We're rusty. We oh, gotta okay. get back into our groove. All right, all right. Excellent, excellent. I know. Yeah, I know. So, on I, when I was on the 108 podcast, I was able to swear, but other ones I wasn't. So <laughs> yeah, we we know. prefer it, our guests to have no filter and to be themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're good. So, um, <laughs> you know, w- one thing that, you know, uh, you're kind of uh, in tune with, you know, White Sox Twitter very much so and stirring the pot. Um, someone who is also kind of uh, ruffled feathers is been Steve Stone over the course of the season and uh, in this <laughs> you know, postseason stretch here. Um, yeah, obviously with those Jerry Reinsdorf comments circulating and, uh, you know, St- Stoney lays it out there, too. Um, and obviously from an organizational standpoint, what are your thoughts on Steve Stone uh, mixing it up in the realms of White Sox Twitter? I certainly wasn't expecting it. Um, I. I don't know. I mean, I find it interesting. I like it. I, I'm happy he's doing it, really. Uh, I don't agree with a lot of the shit he's saying, but, you know, <laughs> um, I think it's great. I hope he continues to do it. Yeah, definitely a big Steve Stone on Twitter guy. Um, I just wish that there were some times that he would answer me when I replied to him because I feel like me and Steve Stone could get along. Do, I think me. he's he's pretty... Uh, He's pretty block heavy though, so if I was gonna you say, say how are you... that he doesn't agree, he's gonna block you. So I don't really like that. I talked, <laughs> or I, I tweeted at him once, but he didn't block me. I didn't swear at him at that time, but you know, I'm sure I'll get blocked eventually. I mean, Tim Anderson's <laughs> got me. Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, got me. How so, did you get blocked by Tim Anderson? Uh, to I. I Wrote him a tweet after he tried to steal third base in a ridiculous situation. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. The Atlanta game? Yeah, 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 against Atlanta. He didn't like it, and I found myself blocked by Anderson. But I don't know. I was kind of happy he read it because it was a bullshit play. So, you know, maybe he won't do that again next time. Yeah. (laughs) It was one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life. So I felt like I had to throw it out there. (laughs) Have any other players blocked you through the years, Ken? Um, not that, I, not that I know of, uh, I know Todd Frazier's blocked a lot of people, but he didn't block me. Um, more like sports casters. A lot of the score guys have blocked me. Jim Rose <laughs> on ABC seven, because I called out his coverage of, uh, the Cubs, you know, Cubs getting more coverage in the Sox. He didn't like that. Uh, like I said, Steve Austin blocked me. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's all I really know, but I'm sure I've been blocked by others. Uh, <laughs> Have you guys Twitter. been blocked by anybody on Twitter? I'm pretty sure the only person I'm blocked by on Twitter is Jay Mariotti. 
I know B I know Beef Loaf unfollowed you for a while. Beef Loaf? <laughs> I don't think he unfollowed me. No, he unfollowed I, you. Well, he hasn't followed me back then, so he's still unfollowed me, but he definitely muted me. What the hell did you do to get Beef Loaf to unfollow he spilled, you? <laughs> he spilled beer all over everybody in the 108 on opening day. I um, <laughs> I may or may not have blacked out more than once in the 108 this year. Ah, okay, I got you. <laughs> but we're still buds. We're uh, good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. Uh, There's different on. variations of that story, Ken. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Depends the on who you one, talk to. The best one involves me jumping over the Goose Island waterfall to try and really? display the Shy Sox weekly flag so Tony could see it from the club level on the third base side. So how quickly did they come, uh, come down and get you on that one? Apparently they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. He was the so, only. He was no. the only motherfucker in in the whole entire Goose Island in the ninth inning of this Saturday game. The first Saturday <laughs> home game. They were pretty. They were pretty lenient <laughs> in oh, that Mariners game. They didn't care, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. All right, um, Tony. Why don't you go ahead and ask him the next question? Uh, I was gonna insert another one. Now I can't remember exactly what I was gonna ask him. But uh, we'll just move on to this one here. What are your thoughts on the current state of the rebuild, Ken? Uh, I, I really think we need uh, some pitching and obviously some hitting, too. I mean, they got some good foundational pieces, but they got to build on it this time. Uh, we had that with Chris Sale and Quintana and Abreu and Eaton. We had the start of a really good team, and they just never could finish it off. And I hope it's not going to be the same this time. Uh Jimenez came around late in the year. That looked really good. Uh, Anderson, Moncada. So they got the pieces in place. They just need to add to it. Uh, but the pitching is what makes me a little nervous. Yeah, Ken, I think a, this kind of... I, I'm not a big Dylan Cease guy yet. So that, I that's, I think... I don't know if anybody is. Coming. That was not an encouraging no. half of a season. No, I mean, in my opinion, I don't know. I mean, he looked good at points. The stats don't always tell the story. But control is clearly an issue there, and I don't know if it's just because he's kind of nervous and he's still trying to work into like what he's going to be as a big leaguer, because obviously you see the potential, but flaming hot take, 20 or so minutes into the show, I think he's going to end up being a bullpen guy long term. Yeah, it's very possible, but of course, if you had asked me this last year, I would have said Giolito was fucking terrible, so maybe we need to That's send true. this out to meet meet with Giolito's high school coach, and then maybe we'll get a fucking Cy Young Award winner next year. Who knows? <laughs> that would, yeah. should, I should mean, I, I, here's my question for you guys right here, right now. Should I start to get after Dylan Cease? Because oh, it worked have to, for Giolito. You have, many, you have to put as many of these guys on your shit list as possible. Ken, you don't know this, but whenever Tony starts ragging on anybody, they start just performing out, like just over the moon. Like James McCann, he was all about it, saying he was going to be a DFA candidate in May, and then you know he comes in and is actually yeah. you know actually really really serviceable and an All Star, um, and then he's done that Giolito last year. Well, was, I got an argument know, with Jordan Lazowski on this show about how bad uh-huh. Giolito was, and then uh, Tony, if he the the opposite effect of it is if Tony says that someone's going to do good, like Daniel Palka, team MVP going into the year, they're going to fucking suck. They're gonna suck. So he can't. <laughs> he can't like anybody. He has to hate everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I get that same thing. Uh, that same uh, momentum going sometimes too. Uh, same thing with Palka. You know, I take a lot of heat over the over him. But <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. He's a Should he's a lovable it. guy. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it later. I had the guy leading the team in home runs this year. 
in our season predictions. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ken, uh, you talked about uh, in our first in that uh, first question that kind of led this off uh, with the state of the rebuild. And you'd said, you know, obviously need more pitching. It's very evident, like you had mentioned, with watching just teams like Washington and Houston just being able to do it with uh, the high quality pitching that they have. So uh, what do you what would you like to see the White Sox do this offseason? And then realistically, (laughs) given, you know, what the state of this team is and uh, who the ownership is, uh, and what happened last offseason, what do you think they realistically do? Well, I think everybody would like for him to sign Garrett Cole, but that's not going to happen. So um, he would be, the, I mean, a perfect guy to throw in there, even ahead of Giolito. Those two guys would look really good going one-two. That's not going to happen, but I do like Zach Wheeler a lot. If they could keep him healthy, he's pretty good. Um, I think that's more along the lines of something that they could do, but even he might be a little bit too pricey for them, but they got to get somebody. They got to get at least, at least two starters. I like, I like Wheeler, uh, Alex Wood, you hear a little bit about, and, and you got to hope that Kopech is coming back too. Um, they just have, a, they're really short on, on starting pitching, especially right now. So they got to do something with that. As far as the hitting, my guy's the SCL Puig. I know he's not putting up the best stats, whatever, the last couple of years, but I think he'd bring a, bring a lot to the team. I think he's got the right attitude that we are lacking a little bit of. Um, and I would actually like another hitter. I don't care if he's right-handed or whatever, um, even if you don't get Puig. But two of the four right fielders, I would like to get two of them, whether it's Castellanos, Puig, Avi Garcia, um, Who's the other guy out there? Help me. Oh, Ozuna. Uh, two of those guys would be great. Like if they could pull that off and put two of them in the lineup, I think they'd be doing pretty good. Um, hopefully Robert will start the year with them. I don't think he will, but maybe they could get him to sign a contract. That would be nice. Um, they need another. Uh, I would really like to see him get Yasmani Grandal. I think he would fit perfectly in there because he's the left-handed bat. They could use it use them at catcher and first base sometimes uh, when they want McCann to catch. But again, I don't know if Jerry's going to open up the purse strings for all these things. So we'll see what happens, but they definitely need to get at least one top of the rotation, you know, one or two pitcher. Did I just hear an Avi Garcia reunion? Yeah, I'd be okay with it. I really would. He, he had a he, solid year. He did have a very solid year. He was hurt on and off, though. But I mean, injuries have always been a thing with him. He never gets like. I mean, he's he's had a couple long DL stints, but I feel like he's always had a couple short DL stints sprinkled in there, regardless. Well, here's a yeah, question for I you mean, guys: Would you would you rather have had stuff. Would you rather have had Avi Garcia in right field this year than what we fucking saw out there? Dude, John and Jay held it down for like two weeks, so. <laughs> It's hey Tony. I, just to answer your question really quick, I'll let Ken get to it too. But uh, looking at it, uh, obviously hindsight, of course, you, of course, you'd rather have Avi in there. No question about it. When you just look back at the numbers, but don't we're I, 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 maybe I'm just the lone one out of here. But I feel like there were a number of people in the I'm done with the Avi Garcia experiment crowd uh, when we did not tender him. He was younger than Anyone people thought. He no, he's still young. He's no. about twenty-seven. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you were done with the, you know. Now, okay, but you know. everybody wants to target that guy who's 26 to 30 years old, who's, a, you know, a, a right fielder, power bat, somebody you can hit in the middle of your lineup, play some average defense, 
and yet we had one the whole time, and then they let him fucking walk out the door, and now we're sitting here talking about, oh, we need to go get a right fielder. It just doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't think that got enough well, attention this year. I just I, yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember you crusading for uh, them too. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> crusading for it either. But now it just it, it seems like in hindsight, twenty twenty, it, it just seems really stupid that we're sitting here talking about. Well, we, know, we need to go get a right fielder when we we kind of had one. You know, he wasn't the greatest, but he was better than you know Charlie Tilson and I mean Ryan, you got <laughs> you're sticking fucking Ryan Goins out there in right field. And then we're sitting here, you know, just letting Avi walk. Didn't even try. And Does anybody else remember any the game where Ryan Cordell had two home runs against the Tigers? Because that was fun. <laughs> you don't get that with Avi Garcia. <laughs> I don't know. I was at a couple of Avi Garcia two home run games. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, I definitely fuck with the uh, Yasiel Puig. Um, but the only reason, uh, only way that they could bring Yasiel Puig on the team is if they bring the vest back and they let him rock it with no undershirt. That'd just be awesome. I'd be all yeah. for that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Gun show. To the I think South. that has to be in the contract. Like when Burley wanted to wear camouflage that one year, they, yep. they got to have uh, Puig wear the, the sleeveless vest. That would be sweet. Or just have him rip the sleeves off of every regular jersey. Fuck it. And just let him go yeah, out there. Kind of like Kyle Puig, no, we we saw how that worked for Chris Sale. I don't know if it'll, it's going to work for Puig. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully uh, he just does it to his and not everybody else's jersey. But, no, I do agree uh, with you with the pitching aspect as well. That's definitely uh, priority number one, in my opinion, aside from, like, what Tony alluded to with right field. Um, but I think it's super important that they start, like, how I had kind of alluded to, I think Cease is a bullpen guy. Maybe not rushing him to the bullpen, but, you know, giving other guys chances at bullpen roles – like, Reynaldo Lopez did start to turn it on the second half of the year, and if he can keep that up. But if he stays that inconsistent, I think he's a guy that the Sox should give a look at a bullpen role. Um, guys, like, I mean, obviously you have Bummer coming back, but if you're going to go ahead and supplement the front end of the rotation with, like you said, if they get one or two guys, you already have Giolito. Um, I'm not sure the whole situation with Nova. It's his arbitration year, right? They're probably going to bring him back. Nova's I, I would guess so. He is a free agent? Okay. Yeah, he's a free agent. I think Nova's a free agent, so I, I don't know if they're going to I don't remember if he had, like, a team option. Or, okay, yeah. Okay, you might be right. Or you're definitely right. But uh, other than that, you know, you already got Giolito, obviously solidified in the rotation. Kopech comes back. You would hope that he's solidified in that rotation. So that leaves you with guys like Lopez and guys like Cease that if you go and sign these guys, you're going to have to put them in the bullpen. If not, they're going to be in the minor leagues. Because you're not going right. to have room. You don't. You don't want a six-man starting rotation. You know. You see, it's the new thing in baseball that an extra guy in your bullpen before anything. So, I don't know. I feel like that's super important for them to start supplementing their bullpen and start transitioning guys into like I love Eloy Jimenez at left field. But like, or how do you love field. Eloy Jimenez in left field? I'm just going to stop you right there, I love Eloy Jimenez. But do we see him as the future left fielder of the of like a playoff caliber White Sox team? Probably I think not. I think he could play left field. I mean, if he he's hitting to get better 40, 45 home runs, he could do it. Ken, do you want to? Ken, do you really want to watch him run into walls? Uh, I mean, I hope he doesn't do that. But I mean, I we can, had I Albert Bell see. out there. Albert Bell is one of the. He was terrible in outfield, but as long as he hit hit his 45, 50 home runs, but that was really Jerry gave Danglin, a shit. Our, that was Jerry Danglin the carrot. 
<laughs> was was yeah, Jerry true. dangling the carrot though with the Albert Bell thing? Was he? Uh, the most money he had spent at like any point, pretty much, besides the Brayu, yeah, right? I, Isn't that second biggest contract? Yeah, I sad. think that is his second biggest, and I think uh, that was the one time that he was like, you know what, screw it, we're gonna do it. And then Ventura got hurt in spring training, and within two or three months, he started trading everybody off. So he got cold feet real quick after that. He said, <laughs> fuck it, back to the carrot. Yep. <laughs> oh. well, let's hope he gets like that this year and goes and gives, you know, fucking give Garrett Cole $50 million more than anybody else is asking for. Who cares? You got the money, fucking spend it. But um, moving on, do you guys have anything you want to add to, like, uh, what he had said the Sox need to add over the next couple of months to at least be talked about next year as someone that can contend? Well, I think it's it's going to be really hard to get the 20 wins that you need without spending a shit ton of money. Um, so, yeah. you know, if you're talking about trying to get back to the playoffs, like I've well, said some before. some of those are going to come from Robert, hopefully. Yeah. Some you, of those will come from Kopech, hopefully, you know. Um, so hopefully they don't need all 20 to come from free agents, you know? Yeah. I, I just, I really see it as being really difficult to add 20 wins, 10, 15, maybe, but 20 wins. I think that's, that's really stretching it. Now it's not impossible. And you do bring up a good point. You've already got some of those answers in house. Mm-hmm. You just have to make the right, you just have to make the right acquisitions. And there, there has to be some trade here. And I've said this a million times on this show, on Socks on Tap, um, and in Lot B when we're, we're talking about this. I really think that Rick Hahn is gun shy when it comes to trading his prospects. He hoards them, and oh, I think I, think, so I think that you know that Fernando Tatis for James Shields trade really fucked him up. And I feel like we're at a point where we should have probably seen some sort of deal made, whether it be for Zach Greinke this or this trade deadline or somebody of that ilk. Um, you have to unload some of these guys. And I know, you know, Twitter will all tell you that the, the, the second tier prospects have all kind of faded. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really like that as an excuse. You got to make these moves. Those guys were acquired for pretty cheap. You can't tell me that the Sox couldn't have made a a better offer. I I just don't understand, uh, how this is going to go down when, you know, the, the, you look across the town in the north side, you know, everybody wants to go and, and slam the Cubs right now for getting rid of Glebar Torres. But guess what? They won a fucking championship. You know, if it costs a Nick Madrigal or, or somebody like that to go out and get the final piece to add to a championship roster, I, I want Rick Hahn to be able to pull that trigger. And that's what worries me the most. Um, I, I, I they would have got Grinky. Obviously, that was my guy. But even if they would have got Strowman, I mean, I don't think the Mets even gave very much money up for Strowman, and he would fit perfectly with the Sox. So I don't know if they were sleeping or scared or what, but that was that was a bunch of shit <laughs> right there. They had to get. It would have been great to get a pitcher that has a little control under him, and to leave that pass without even seemingly asking, I think was a big mistake as well. Yeah, I'm with you, Ken. Um, uh, we, I think we're all on the same page here with uh, what they need. Um, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out. Uh, we'll be following it every step of the way. Um, but uh, obviously, with uh, being hurt uh, last year and uh, uh, just 
that was heartbreaking in free agency and just the whole way that whole uh, debacle went down. Uh, what, what's your biggest fear right now uh, as a White Sox fan? Uh, my biggest fear is that that pitching is never going to materialize and they're going to put too much hope into Lopez and Cease like we talked about and even Kopech. I mean, I know he's got a lot of tools, but who knows how he's going to come back from this injury and they're counting on all these guys. But my biggest fear is that they're never going to materialize to what they thought they were going to be. And if we don't have the pitching, then we really have to hit the ball. And I don't know if we're going to spend enough to be able to do that. Kopech was starting to scare me for a while there (laughs) this season with his social media presence, I guess you could say. But him coming back, and I believe it was simulated spring training and hitting triple digits, that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean – I just want to see it in a major league game. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, it doesn't matter until uh, it matters. I'm with you, Ken. One thing that I that encourages me though is that they did it right with him when as soon as he was injured, they got that surgery done right away. They did not hesitate one bit. They didn't do the Dane Dunning BS, bring him to spring training, and you know, oh, you know, shut him down and then uh, rest for seven to ten days and then do this and that. So then Dane Dunning's pushed back a whole nother, basically another season. Uh, I'm glad they right. did it with Kopech right away. And that's why I was kind of outraged when, you know, when Rick Hahn went on that White Sox talk podcast and said, we'll see where Michael Kopech starts the season. Um, I was a little outraged at that. I don't know about you, what your thoughts oh, were on too. that. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I I just didn't, uh, from a physical time standpoint of when he had the surgery to when he would be back, and obviously he's throwing in instructs now. We've seen it, uh, that video that surfaced probably, you know, a week and a half or two weeks ago, whenever it was. <clears throat> like John did, said he's hitting almost triple digits there. Um, so I... I I will be pissed off if he is not on the opening day roster. There's no reason yeah, he should I mean, be. He I gets think, all spring training. That's ridiculous. Yeah, the only reason they do that is to gain those that couple months back from when they first called him up and play the service time game with them. That's the only reason I think that they would be thinking about doing that, and I hope they don't. And they'd have because, to hold him down there almost all year in order to do that, I think, Ken. Yeah. I thought it was uh, maybe two or three months or whatever it was to, to game back one of the years. I don't, I don't know. Well, either way, I hope that they don't do it because we, you, we might think that we're just starting or whatever, but Mancata has four years. So basically our window's four years, him and Giolito. Yep. Those are probably our best pitcher and our best hitter that we have. So we got to get the ball moving. We already blew last year. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully this that scares me because I think we still had like three years of Chris Sale left when we got rid of him. So that hearing that out loud hurts. Well, and I, yeah, Ken, I can't agree with anything more with the, when you say this is the Moncada window because right now I don't think you get Moncada to sign an extension. He got his money. He's going to want to test free agency. God forbid this you guy could, walks. You could do it, but you're gonna you're gonna have to pay him two hundred million dollars to do it. It would have to be an end season extension. Like you couldn't let him get to. They let him get to free agency. He's walking. Right. It would have to be now, but it'd have to be two hundred and you know, like a Bregman, whatever he got. Is you know? is he is he worth it though? You know, if you want to talk about the Machado money, should they hand that to Moncada? I know we haven't really talked about this, but you know, by the time you're seeing Andrew Vaughn. And, you know, Nick Madrigal really, you know, because we all know on this show it takes at least a year for every White Sox prospect to figure it out in the major leagues. I don't know (laughs) what the hell they're doing. But, um, you know, you talk about Moncada being almost up. 
if he leaves via free agency or gets traded away for more prospects, I know, uh, you know, Beef Loaf wants to talk about the hashtag, uh, what do they call that, perpetual rebuild over perpetual there? Perpetual rebuild, yeah. You know? Absolutely. There's going to be a huge problem here because that's, you know, and, and Rick Hahn said it right at the beginning of this rebuild, we acquired pieces that would allow us to accelerate this and succeed earlier than some of these other ball clubs. And when he's referencing that, he's referencing the Cubs and the Astros. At least that's how I take it. And yet mm-hmm. now we're getting this PR from from Steve Stone saying, you know, it takes five years to build a house. Where, you know, what's the what's the end goal here? I don't understand. You know, Johnny, I, I, I wrote the article on uh, what's the White Sox goal. I, I really don't understand it at this point, Ken, because I think you have to win while Moncada is playing MVP caliber baseball for your team. And yet you want to just tell us, you know, as a team, you know, this is going to take a few more years. Well, what, do you only have one year of Moncada when everything's really good? I don't know if that works for me, especially when the whole rebuild was centered around this Chris Sale trade. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I, I really think that they messed up by not putting a little more effort into this last off season, and then we wouldn't have to go as far as we do this year. Um now, now you, you know, hopefully we can sign a bunch of guys, but who knows if that's going to happen, you know, the White Sox track record with that. And then you might waste another year. And then, like you said, Vaughn will be up in two years, but maybe he won't be any good till the third year. And then Mancata's got one year left, and then you're looking at him leaving. And, you know, hopefully they, they get it going this year, you know. I just wish I knew, like, a baseball player's mentality on it. Because, like, if my – like, obviously Chicago is a, is an awesome place. But if it came down to, like, with Machado, like, a Chicago or San Diego at my job, like, I'm going to San Diego. Fuck, fuck that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, they're people too. Like, family plays into it, all that. So – Chicago may not be the best free agent destination, but it should at the same time be an intriguing one. So, you know, obviously it's a big market. They have plenty of money to spend. We've known this forever. They just don't like to spend it. So it'll it'll be interesting. Not a lot of marquee free agents opposed to years and late, but there's some sneaky good ones and ones that you could easily supplement a winning ball club. But at the end of the day, it's like, how worth it is it? We saw the acquisitions that the Twins made over the offseason. But at the end of the day, how much did it really do for them? John, what, what, well, right. We have a better core, in my opinion, of young talent. So that's kind of not really comparable. But with this free agent class, it's like I, I just see the Sox playing that same fiddle of like, we're trying to add, but we're not trying to add short term. So they don't want to go and get like these guys on one-year deals yet, and it's like, when is the time to go and get these guys on like one, two-year deals? Right now, it has to be right. So I hope that they start do. I hope that they start doing that this offseason, and I hope that they know that they need to start doing that this offseason. But other than that, I do like some names that you had brought up. Um, The offseason is obviously a stressful time, especially for White Sox fans. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Can do. Yeah, looking forward to seeing it. Ken, do you think we're going to have as tumultuous of an offseason as we did last year with, with the letdowns? be hard to top. Uh, I don't think not – because I don't think they're going to be mentioned in the in the Cole and the Rendon uh, uh, frenzies or chase like they were with Machado and Harper. I, I think 
I don't think it's going to be a big shock when those guys sign elsewhere. Maybe to some people, but I just don't see like Ken Rosenthal being like, and the White Sox are making a big push for Garrett Cole. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think it's pretty clear that he wants to go play for the Angels most likely. So. I was about to say the Angels just made themselves a pretty uh, pretty popular destination. Right, right. So I, I don't know. I mean, and I think especially if Washington wins this national or the World Series, uh, I see Rendon going back to them. So I don't think it's going to be as big of a letdown, but it still potentially could be if they don't sign, you know, three or four good good ball players, not like just John Jay's of the world, but actual good ball players. You know, that's what we need. <laughs> so I Ken, tweeted it a couple a, weeks ago, a but I was like. There. I was like, I swear to God, if Yonder Alonso even thinks of fucking calling me in December. <laughs> well, that brings up another point, though. The, the 40 man's a little clogged up right now. Ken, if, if you're Rick Hahn and you're in his shoes, who are the first people you're, you're getting uh, that are getting the boot off this 40-man roster? Well, they already got rid of Tilson, Tilson right? out of there. Yeah, um, I, I would think Cordell has to be not too far behind. Uh, Castillo is going to be, he'll, his option will be declined. So he'll be out of there. Um, other Palka probably will be gone. Uh, but they're going to have to sign people to replace these guys with too, you know, <laughs> that's true. And speaking of signing, Yolmer will probably be gone. I think he'll, he'll be out of there. Ryan Goins will be gone. So, I mean, they got some dead spots on the 40 man. I don't, I think From what you okay said, Nova, that. too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Nova. There's some of those That's bullpen like what, guys. Like, is, is Caleb Frayer still on there? Like, I think he'll be gone. I um, totally forgot about that. Dude. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he is. I already forgot about him because he was shut down for the season uh, yeah. injury-wise after going back to Charlotte. So, yeah, there'll yeah. be another one, another opening. Right. Uh, Hector Santiago will probably be gone. Can they just, like, DFA Fulmer already? I think so. <laughs> I don't. See he's out of not. options, isn't he? Yeah, he's out of options. So I. It's like I he's, doubt he's yeah. gonna make the team. Yeah, probably not make it. Yeah, poor guy. Well, don't they have the ability yeah. to to place him in Charlotte, and then if he gets called up, I don't know how that's gonna work. I mean, they, they've they've changed the way that forty man roster kind of works uh, with the, with the twenty six man um, next year. So I'm not exactly sure how all the rules are gonna play on this, but. Um, you know, one of the other guys that wanted to get... Options, if he's out of options, I think he'd have to, like... Clear waivers to get back? To, yeah. Agree to come back, yeah. Yeah. And there's also a couple guys that, like, second-tier prospects that could go in the Rule 5 draft, like, sneakily. Like, I'm pretty sure Blake Rutherford's a name I've been hearing who's playing, like, dog shit at Arizona Spring. Like, he's not even on the 40-man, so... But that's a guy that could just disappear. So, like, obviously there's these guys that we've been hearing of for quite some time that we're going to have to either see them at the major league level this year or we're going to have to start using them in trade packages. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, all those guys that are didn't really do anything last year, I know Adolfo was hurt, but he's not doing nothing down in that uh, Arizona league. And uh, Rutherford's another guy, and... Gavin Sheets is getting close to that area where you're going to have to make a decision on him, and he's not really doing nothing there, but he had a decent year at Birmingham at least. So it's, it, it, but it's, so it's going to be tough to trade some of these guys. I think uh, Steele Walk, Walker, he's probably – I think if they're going to make a trade, he's going to be in it. That's the guy I think is going to go. 
but we'll see. Probably like Connor Pilkington too. I feel like would be. Well, one of the one of the other guys too that you wish would have performed, I think, is Alec Hansen too. You talk about pitching and the rotation, and that kid, he had some great stuff, and just of late, just looks like absolute dog shit out there. Can't you know find a release point, and yeah. you know I, I I had that guy build as a one two potential type starter uh, in this rotation, um, probably by twenty twenty one, and it doesn't even look like he's ever going to sniff the major leagues at this point. Oh, my God. Around this time last year, I would have told you you're crazy if I said that you would have had to add outside pitching with all the fucking pitching prospects that the Sox had. I would have been like, you only have to add one. You're going to have Dunning, Hanson, right. Kopex, Cease. You're going like, to not even know what to do with Giolito and Lopez at that point. That's well, where I was. Yeah, year, I mean, so. I, I didn't think I didn't think Giolito or Lopez were going to stick in the rotation. I still don't know if Reynaldo Lopez sticks in this rotation. I've still always held by the by the mentality that he's going to end up a two-inning guy in the bullpen that can go six, sixth inning, seventh inning, or uh, seventh, eighth, and be a really uh, good shutdown reliever. But they, 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 they haven't had the luxury to even try and make that move yet with him. I, I don't right. think he's got the focus to be a starter in the major leagues. That's just yeah. my opinion. I know I'm going to rag on him right now, and we're going to go off on this, and it's probably going to be the theme of my offseason. He's going to come back and have a wonderful year. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I, I just... I really did not like some of the comments about, you know, coming into the second half of the season and him saying, well, now I'm going to focus and I'm going to be good. And then he was good for a while. And then all of a sudden it tailed off. I think that's really mentally weak. Um, you obviously have the ability to identify your problems and then you couldn't continue it through. That, that just shows me lack of focus. And I didn't yeah. like that. Um, Ken, real quick, Jose Abreu. Not quite sure on your stance mm-hmm. on this, but why has he not resigned yet? And will they White Sox resign Jose Abreu? Will he be part of this team next year? I think he will be. I hope he will be. I mean, I don't know what the fuck they're waiting for. Uh, he wants to be there. The Sox say they want him there. I don't know what is taking so long. I thought it should have been done even last spring or or at the All Star break or something like that. I don't know what they're waiting for. It it boggles my mind because if he's not there, then you're just opening up a, a huge a huge hole, for, at least for a couple of years. I mean, are you really going to count on Zach Collins to be able to play there every day? I, I'm not. So that's when they got to get done, or else they're just creating another hole, so they're going to have to work doubly hard to fill it, you know? But I think it should get done. I just don't know why it hasn't. What do you think a deal for him looks like? Uh I would say something like three forty-five to fifty, three years, forty-five to fifty million, somewhere in there. I think that would get it done. Sounds he, about right. He he's obviously come out yeah. and stated that he's not going to, you know, uh, try and listen to other offers, and you know, he wants to take the hometown discount to be here. He likes being here. I think he likes the core in the clubhouse, um, and he's kind of become a leader, which is really interesting to me because I feel like the White Sox, when they signed him, they wanted him to be a leader, and he kind of shied away from that. Um, and now, you know, just with the whole rebuild and everything, I think the clubhouse is kind of cleared out. We all know there was some toxicity in there. Um, right. And, you know, now he, he's really stepped up and, and been that guy. It's just really interesting going into this offseason with, uh, with no, no contract in place for him right now. So that's, but yeah, I don't get it. I don't know why it wasn't done yesterday. I don't, I don't understand it unless the Sox are trying to play him, uh, play it cheap and, and uh, lowball them and just get them to sign the one-year qualifying offer or something, maybe. That's the only thing I can dick, think of. But I, if I was him, I'd say, fuck you, you know? So I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on there. It, it, it makes no sense. And, you know, we've, we can we can go down the rabbit hole with this one. But, uh, guys, do you have anything else for Ken before we get into uh, our quick hit segment here? No, I feel like we did a good job covering yep. basically everything going on with the White Sox over the last, like, month that we didn't record a podcast. <laughs> yeah, ready to roll. Ready to roll. All right, Ken, we're going to move into quick hits. Uh, like, we uh, we kind of briefed you on this before we started this call, but uh, this is just rapid fire. And we're going to go through a series of questions here. Answer them as quick as you can. First thing that comes to mind, I think I'm going to put Janda back in charge of asking the questions here. Um, so whenever you're ready, Janda's going to start to hit you with our favorite segment, Quick Hits. All right, let's do it. <clears throat> All right, Ken, ready to roll. Starting off, uh, Frank Thomas or Paul Canerco? Frank Thomas. Favorite food to eat at the ballpark? I like the sandwiches right by the 108 in the back there. Those are really good. The corned beef one is my favorite. Oof. Favorite band? Motley Crue. Favorite fast food? Uh, I'll go with McDonald's. Favorite White Sox Twitter follow? Uh, beef Loaf. <laughs> Favorite team to follow besides the Sox? In baseball? Yeah. Or, well, it, I mean, any sport, I guess. Okay. Um, Pirates or Orioles? Those would be my two. <laughs> okay. Um, Robin Ventura or Ricky Renteria? So oh, boy. Uh, Robin Ventura, I guess, because I oh, because of his playing days. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we get that. We get that's like the only way that we'll get Ventura for that answer. No one ever says yeah. it. Because... <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Favorite ACDC song? ACDC, uh, Hell's Bells. Favorite baseball movie? Uh, Major League. Better stat, pitcher wins or RBIs? RBIs. What do you top your hot dog with? Everything, Chicago style. There we go. Except ketchup, right? No, no, no ketchup. <laughs> Is Jim Tomei a White Sox legend? No. <laughs> Would you go out after a Sox game with Wally Money by yourself? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever said yes to that question, but Pete Ann. <laughs> <laughs> uh, better career, Kopech or Giolito? Giolito. Year of the next White Sox playoff run? 2022? <laughs> Yikes. Uh, will Nick Madrigal make the White Sox roster? Uh, not, from sprint, not from the start of the season, but he'll be but, there this year. Okay. Uh, Miller Lite, Bud Light, or Coors Light? Bud Light Lime. <laughs> oh yeah, you are a Bud Light Lime guy. Yeah. Uh, Biggie or Tupac? Biggie. Turtles, Cork and Carries or Shinix? Cork and Carry. Uh, favorite sport besides baseball? Football. Yeah, you strike me as a football guy. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I like fantasy football. That's why. <laughs> oh yeah. My Realistically, I mean, if you consider it a sport, I'd pick wrestling. But I don't know okay. if that's considered. It. If you consider it a sport and it, it wants to be your second favorite sport, then then there there we go. Yeah. Um, who's the next Sox player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Holy shit. Um, I'm going to go Minnie Minoso. <laughs> About damn time if they do. 
Um, yeah. How do you how do you take your Jello shots? Jello shots? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Will the money ever be spent? Uh, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sparingly. <laughs> Can you hit White Sox Dave's fastball? Oh, absolutely. Will you ever get over missing out on Machado? No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Have you ever seen Fever Pitch? Yes. Again, thank you. <laughs> While drinking, can you hold it longer than Shy Sox Jonda? Uh, I think so. I, I am older than you guys. I can <laughs> hold it pretty good. <laughs> got the bladder of like an eight-year-old woman. All right. Um, should the nets be should the nets be raised higher <laughs> to protect the upper deck? What was that? Should the, should the nets be raised higher to protect the upper deck? Oh God, God no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, drunkest that you've ever been at a Sox game? Uh, it's funny. I don't usually get too drunk at at games. I don't know why. I like concentrating on the games. And if I'm drinking, I don't get, I, I don't get to concentrate on the game. Um, probably sometime when I was 21. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, how do you feel yeah. about bunting? I hate it. <laughs> Herbert Perry or Diane Vicieto? Viciedo. Uh You kind of already may have alluded to your answer for this one earlier, but Beef Loaf, Cherizi, or My Sock Summer? Beef Loaf. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite place to sit at the ballpark? Uh, you know, I, I actually really like sitting in the upper deck in between the infield and like the first eight, eight rows. I think it's a great vantage point. I know a lot of people talk shit about it, but I really like it up there. I could see everything. Um, I like it sitting up there, but I guess scout seats. If I got to pick my seat, I'd pick a scout seat. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite ballpark besides Comiskey? Uh, old Comiskey. <laughs> Detroit yeah. Tiger Stadium was cool. Current ballparks, I really like uh, PNC in Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, I've always wanted to go there too. Yeah. Uh, are, <laughs> are fireworks cool and tough? Sure. Why not? How do you feel about the Wrigley Field basket? I think it's garbage. <laughs> Just like the rest of Wrigley Field. <laughs> it's a dump. All right. How many games do you try and get to each year? Oh, man. I used to get to 20 to 30 every year. And now that my son plays travel ball, this year I only made it out to seven. And I was really disappointed. I like to get to, I like to get to at least 20. But, at, you know, nowadays that might be unrealistic. So 15 would be good all right tony's just making this a 40 fucking question quick hit over here uh how many gate or uh hawk or benetti hawk <laughs> will the Sox win another world series in your lifetime uh i hope so <laughs> yeah and, uh, can we expect to see you at a shy Sox weekly tailgate next year yes i would love to all right. Oh, yeah. I made it to the barstool one this year, but it, these usually take place on the weekends, and he's always got games on the weekend, so it kind of sucks. But oh it, yeah, we more. did one for we did one on the Thursday at some point. Oh, did you? I think it was in I think it was in May. It was like mid May. We did it on a Thursday. Yeah, uh, well, we yeah. try and plan them ahead as much as we possibly can. Yeah, we, we, we had about like we had about like forty there. people in the one hundred eight, and uh, that was probably one of my favorite moments when Austin led that Canadian field trip in uh, 
singing, oh, the, funny. singing the national anthem or whatever. Yeah, no, they were singing Oh Canada. Oh, oh Canada, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we'll we'll let you know ahead of time, and we'll get you out. We'll definitely have a weeknight one for you, Ken. All right, cool. I, this year I'm not coaching his team, so maybe I'll have a little more freedom to miss a game here or there. There you go. <laughs> now, as the, much the, as your conscience allows you to, right? The real question is, yeah. will, will Ken do a jello shot with White Sox Dave and Shy Sox Janda? Because it sounded like you're not a big jello shot guy. Uh, not really, but I mean, I guess so. Why not? He's like, if it's provided, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. Can't say no. Yeah. Just get him some lime jello. We'll bring Bud Light Lime for you. <laughs> All right, that sounds good to me, man. We'll get it out there. All right. Other than that, that's definitely going to wrap up Quick Hits. Um, do you have any questions that you want to ask any of us? Yeah, flip the, flip the script here, Ken. What do you want to ask us about the socks or, or just any anything in general? Go go right on ahead if you got anything. All right. Did uh, did we win the Scott Pesednik trade? Did we win the Scott Pesednik trade? That's that's a t- that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people want to say yes, just based on the fact that there was immediate success the next year. But man, Carlos Lee was a fucking monster. I loved him. Um, I think he would have. You know, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think if you're talking about pure talent, I think Carlos Lee was a way better player than Scott Pitsidenik was. But you know, Scotty Pods lives in White Sox history. If you if you put a gun right. in my head and said you know you got to pick one to be on your team, I'm taking Carlos Lee every day. Yeah, I agree with that. It's funny because now you've uh, now I always say Carlos Lee, and I get a lot of shit for that. You know, people say how could you say anything against Pesednik? He hit the home run, whatever. But it's funny because now it's on the other foot with Adam Eaton because now it's like, well, wait a minute. If we won the Pods deal, that means they win the Eaton trade, right? Because they're in the World Series. Yeah, true that. Ooh, really flipping the script here. Yeah, uh, just one quick thing on that. Uh, I'm biased in this one because I actually met Carlos Lee after a game one time. Uh, My dad's boss had some connections. I was like, you know, I was was little. I was probably about... probably nine, 10 years old in that range. And uh, there's a picture somewhere. It's buried somewhere uh, in the basement, but uh, there's a picture of him. He's holding me up. So uh, that was pretty cool. So I'll say Carlos Lee too. (laughs) Wow. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. (laughs) He he, he seemed like a really good guy too. Like I've met him at, they, they have a charity softball game sometimes uh, with the Sox versus Cubs. And he's been up there. Just a fun guy. I don't know. I always liked them. John, what are you what are you taking on this one? <laughs> that trade happened when I was I think 8 years old, so at the time I really didn't Actually no, I did care cuz I liked uh, Jose Valentin and Carlos Lee were like two of my favorite socks besides Frank Thomas and Mags. Like obviously everybody loved Frank Thomas and Mags, but they had a fucking squad when I was like a little kid. So I, I obviously at the time Oh, yeah. Obviously, at the time when I heard that, I was upset. I think the most I was upset as a kid for any White Sox, I don't remember. Honestly, it was so long ago. Did they trade Ray Durham? Or did they yes, Ray really Durham happy? was they what? They traded Ray Durham, and I, that was like when I was really upset. Ray Durham was yeah. one of my favorite players, man. And, and you know, Probably was my favorite player as a kid. Ray Durham was a shit. <laughs> I, I played second base, and I, I just loved, I loved Ray Durham. At Willie Harris, I, I, I kind of latched on to him just because he ended up taking over there. But I just want to go back, Ken. How did the 2000 and, you know, from 2001 to two? 2003, yeah. how did the White Sox never break through in those few years? Because I go back to some of those lineups. 
Um, and they were they were stacked. You know, was that? Yeah. Maglio, you know, the big hurt, Carlos Lee. They they were stacked. Who would have been? Was it? Was that like the Indians frame right there? I think that was when the Indians were better than us, right? Yeah, or the, was Indians, the, yeah. the Indians were were uh, winning a lot then. And yeah. then it turned to the Twins. Twins, yeah. yeah. I think the Twins in 03. Uh, it all came down to, to the pitching. We just had really bad pitching, you know. And and they tried to make some moves, and, and the moves Wells. they made were kind of – Esteban Loaiza. Yeah. Well, Loaiza was good. He was uh, Wells was shit. bad. What was that, 03? You made the All-Star team? Yeah, because that was that was the year that they had the the fan All-Star fest, the and, cell, and, right? and it yeah. was it was I went at to the, the fan fest. Yeah, um, Loaiza made the All Star team two years. He was with them, even in '04, and then they traded him shortly after for Contreras, and that was a great move, obviously. But uh, they they tried to get Todd Ritchie for one year, and he was terrible, and their relief pitching always stunk. Uh, that's why they weren't that good in that year, and then 2003. Like it was Canerco that was absolutely terrible. So he had a lot to do with that year. But yeah. th- those were some of my favorite teams. Like I love Valentin and Lee and Ordonez, Thomas obviously, Durham, like you said. I don't know. I don't know how they didn't win. Yeah, those teams were fucking. Stacked. There's that. There's that carrot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they never got the big pitcher that they needed to lead. That's a whole staff. salad with that team. Yeah, you need to piece that one together. All right. Ken, you got anything? Uh, any, you got other, anything else? Us, any other questions you got for us? Yeah how how did you guys become Sox fans? You guys are from a different era than I am. So was it the five World Series that brought you guys in? I'll go John to first. We'll we'll go by age. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go last. So we'll go uh, youngest to oldest. So uh, for me, it was mostly that. My dad is a Sox fan. So that did play a decent factor into it. But, uh, you know, growing up, my brother is a Cubs fan. So I always tried to, like, rival whatever team he rooted for. It always made sports more fun. Um, yeah. So in 03, I was six years old. My mom was actually on vacation in Florida when the Steve Bartman game happened we had like a babysitter at my house me and my brother were like watching it in his room with like a blanket over his tv so the light like didn't shine under the door because that game was on like super late I remember and I just remember watching the Cubs choke and just knowing that like I didn't like them and then that very next year I played t-ball for the White Sox so like you obviously like that's what I was kind of saying you like once you start getting like playing baseball you get more inclined right. to watch baseball. So that's when I like would try and tune into like the White Sox because I played for the White Sox. So I felt like I was on like the real White Sox. I don't know. I was like seven. But yeah. the very next year they go on to win the World Series. So it just seemed like it all happened like in like the time frame all happened for a reason. Because I think oh three, I didn't I think oh four was the first year I played baseball. So, okay. or maybe no, it was probably 03. I did play for the Cubs at one point, too. I just never really cared. So, but other than that, yeah, uh, the first game, like first baseball game I ever went to was a Sox game. It wasn't a Cubs game. Um, you know, first playoff game I ever went, I've never been to a Cubs playoff game. I went to a Sox playoff game when I was younger. So, I actually, the last playoff game that the White Sox played in, I was sitting in the seats that you were describing as like your like favorite seats up in the upper tank. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. How about John? Yeah. Early, man. Uh, 
Yeah. Ken, for me, mine's mine's short, simple, sweet um, from the womb. Uh, My dad is just such a huge, huge Sox fan. So is my grandpa. Um, So right away, I mean, they got me indoctrinated into it right away. Uh, I wouldn't have never had a choice and I wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, growing up, I was a huge, you know, uh, baseball nerd, loved like, you know, memorizing the lineups and the rosters and all that good stuff. So um, it it was never a question from from day one. And then uh, Frank Thomas, my favorite baseball player of all time, too. So that's it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're you're very similar to me then. Didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I would I wouldn't have it any other way, and I'm you know diehard passionate right. about it, love it. I'm also for, we're from Southwest suburbs, so um, that okay. that also ge- ge- uh, geographically kind of plays into it as well. But um, I, yeah, I'm glad yeah. I am. I would hate myself if I'm a North if I was a Northsider. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so. for for me, yeah, also Southwest suburbs. Uh, grew up in Evergreen Park. Uh, eventually migrated out okay. towards the Orland area, but um, 96, 97 is around when I started following the team. I was about five, six years old, uh, went to my first game. And for me, it was actually really just Hawk Harrelson. Um, when you're a kid and uh, you're listening to a guy say who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, um, that really resonated yeah. with me. I, I'm not kidding when I say this. Um, you know, hearing him call games, just watching him in the family room with my dad or whatever and you know, just, you know, playing with toys or whatever and the socks around the background. I always wanted to know if the good guys were winning because, you know, as a kid, you want to root for the good guys. So that that's what right. really solidified it for me. And then, you know, started playing baseball. Then after, you know, it just it went from there. Uh, I fell in love with the team, just following them. I remember listening on the radio to the uh, the series against Seattle in 2000 in my room. I wanted to I, I think I threw a huge temper tantrum when they when they finally got out of that out of that series and you know probably broke a few things in my room and then uh you know it was it was really cool to see in 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 03 uh them having the all-star game and and just some of those lineups were so fun um you know we just talked about it and uh you know it all came to kind of a culmination freshman year in high school they won the world series so um you know it's just been as long as i can remember i've been 100 percent invested in this team and you know i I just can't shake it so that that's kind of kind of the story there but hawk harrelson is basically what i owe my Sox fandom to um you know just at a really young age here and good guys versus bad guys that that's really what did it for me yeah he was great at that i mean just a huge personality i think the game lacks some of that both in announcing like hawk or even like uh managers like earl weaver tony la russa like now they just want guys that follow the front offices uh step or whatever but i kind of miss that those uh characters that baseball used to have (laughs) absolutely i mean this was this was what our first year without hearing hawk uh, on the mic and Mm -hmm. i won't say it was a a rough year but you know you really missed that 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 attitude that mentality um i'll I'll come out and say it there's too much cringe on the broadcast yeah there there is there there's a lot of i agree cringy moments that that we get now and you know, I, I really like that homerism. I'm a big fan of it. You know, you want you want to watch a game and listen to the guys who are talking about it root for your team. And, you know, I, I don't I, I don't right. think that we get enough of that. You know, I, I, I'm not going to question Benetti or Stone's interest in the White Sox and their success. But, you know, I, I loved every minute of, you know, when the Sox would get walked off and you'd just hear Hawk Harrelson just be completely silent in the booth because you know he felt the exact same fucking way you did 
in that yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I like that, that too. I really did. That that I, I know a lot of people thought that that wasn't good broadcasting and dead air and, and whatnot. But you know, what do you what do you say in that moment when when you love that team? That, that's what it's all about, and that that's why I really enjoyed Hawk Harrelson. He's you know, one of my favorite baseball personalities, and you know, I I, I miss that now. I agree. Um, I, every time that the Sox make a big play or, or, you know, something like that, I always think like, I wonder what Hawk would have called. I want to, you know, I always want to listen to Hawk's call, you know, instead of Benetti's, but I don't know. I, I, he does some things well. I think Steve Stone works a lot better with Benetti than he did Hawk, but when those big moments come or when the team's playing good, uh, he'll never touch Hawk. That's my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. Do you ever think we'll get Hawk again, Ken? I, and this is one thing that kind of, you know, we saw Bill Walton and some of these other characters come in here and, and fill in for Benetti when he was doing some of the uh, the college the college football stuff. But do you think we get Hawk Carrollson in September, you know, maybe next year or the year after if the Hawks are making a playoff push? Do you think we see him moonlight in one of these spots? Go Hawks. Uh Maybe I don't think it'll be next year though. But if he's still in good health in a couple years, I could see it. I think they kind of want to get away from it and make sure that everybody knows it's Benetti's job or whatever. So I think one more year probably with nobody, no hawk. But then maybe you'll get a guest appearance after that, and I'd love to hear it. You know, I I, I grew up with Hawk and Pachoric, so I get excited every time Pachoric comes on too. <laughs> Wimpy had a couple broadcasts this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a few. He's great. Yeah. When he comes on, I like it. Yeah, he's um, a shit. So, if when if that would ever happen to Hawk, I'm sure it would be a big deal. I just don't think they'll do it this quick. But if his health remains pretty decent, he'll do it eventually. Can't wait for that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I just I, I wondered why they didn't do it, but that it, it does make sense. Um, yeah, I I just miss it. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. It it was such a superior broadcast, in my opinion. And I know that uh, I know that not a lot of people are going to agree with that, but he was he was so entertaining, man. It was you know you, right. you never knew what you were going to get out of him, and a lot of people didn't like the fact that he didn't follow the the new age baseball stats and everything. And that's you know I think growing up with him in the booth kind of you know skewed my views. I'm I'm a bigger fan of you know RBIs and and you know batting average than WAR, but um, you know that's just the way right. I was raised up on the game. Yeah, same here. Same here. Ken, you got anything else? I, I've, I've loved the uh, two questions so far. Yeah. Um, so Frank Thomas is your guy's favorite player? That's just I mine. Was, I was a Paul K guy growing up. I wore number 14. Uh, and anytime I couldn't wear 14, I wore four instead. Okay. Okay. So you're a Pauly guy. That's yeah. cool. And if you could pick a pitcher to, to come in what, via, via trade or free agent, who you got this year? Whew. Like, if I had my pick, obviously it'd be Cole. Yeah, but, but maybe more realistic. With, Sorry. Threw a trade in there. I yeah. really want the Sox to go after Steven Strasburg. Okay. I really do. I think that even if he doesn't pan out to be like an ace type guy, what he's done for the Nationals in the bullpen this playoff shows that he's flexible, I guess you could say. Yeah, his shit is nasty, and he's one of like the least talked about filthy pitchers out there, and it's because of how I think the Nationals have handled him because he was kind of injury ridden 
as he was coming up, so he never really tapped into that full potential. But yeah, I would really he got, like he got that see, bad rap early for not. Yeah, and that, it all those innings ball. limit years, and he fucked him out of like a playoff run one year because of how they manage his innings. Like, I, right. I, I really think that he he would be the, the type of dude that could spend some nasty shit on the south side. Yeah, that'd be awesome. How about you guys? Um, so obviously I think Cole would be the general answer here. And that's, you know, if you're going to go more realistic and this probably wouldn't even be realistic, but, uh, maybe a few down the road. Um, I really, I'm a, I'm a big Cardinals fan too, because I have family from there and family that roots for him. Um, I would really like Jack Flaherty. You had that into the mix here with his age and that, I think, uh, that would be something definitely, uh, that would pique my interest. Couple mm-hmm. of five plus earned run postseason appearances under his belt. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's like fucking twenty three, John. I know, like, whatever. <laughs> like, I know. I'm fucking with you. You'll kill me for this one, but Trevor Bauer, man, I, I, he's just yeah. an animal. And you know, you talk about a guy like Puig who would bring in some attitude. I think Trevor Bauer yeah. down here. You know, just a guy that, you know, he, he loves to pitch. He's all, you know, he's all into everything about the craft of pitching. And, and uh, you know, he does all this stuff with, uh, what is, he's not driveline guy, is he? Uh, I know he he works with something, but uh, he. Yeah, he was driveline. He was driveline. You know, he driveline that ball over the water field in Kansas City. Yeah, I want somebody with now, an ad- Now the driveline guy is with the Reds now, I think, because of him. Oh, I saw that actually. Yeah, they hired a. Yeah, it's kind of like when the White Sox hired the like the YouTube batting coach and then just fired him in the middle of the year for like no apparent reason. Right, right. But yeah, no, I, I think Trevor Bauer would just add another dimension to this team. You know, I, yeah. I feel like this team lacks a real hothead. They're like assholes. Yeah, I, I want I want yeah, him I out there, you. and you know, I, I think that me- I think that mentality would play very well with this club. You know, he might cause some, he might cause some stirs, but I think that would be Mm -hmm. good. I think that would be good because he's not afraid to call anybody out either. You know, imagine him just getting on Twitter after the game and interacting with, with White Sox Twitter. He wouldn't put up with people's shit. So I think, I I think that's what the South side needs is a guy like him to, uh, to just come in here and be himself really. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I think he's got what, one year left with the Reds. Yeah. Maybe they're. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go pull that up. I I wasn't sure if he was on the last year of his deal. I don't think he's gonna be a free agent. Uh, you know who would be another guy that would be awesome to see would be Jake Odorizzi, who I'm pretty sure only has like a year or two left with the Twins. I think he's a free agent this year, isn't? Yeah, is he? I think he was only one with the Twins this year. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that he's would a be guy dope. that they could possibly add. I would like to get him. He'd be nice. Yeah, but Bauer goes into ARB4 uh, in he's 2020, and then he's too. unrestricted free agent in 2021. That's okay, Bauer. There you go. Yeah, so that's possible. I mean, if the Reds fall out of it early, maybe you could work a deal with them and get him in here if we're close. Yeah, I mean, I think he would add another dimension. He'd come in here, he'd obviously be a one-one-two guy, depending on how Giolito's doing. But, you know, I think he's a guy also that not a lot of teams are going to, you know, want just because of the attitude and everything else he carries. I think it kind of um, would fall into the Sox favor a little bit just based on some of the history and, and the clubhouse stuff. And, you know, they kind of took that risk before with A.J. Pruszynski. I could see them going down this road and it actually being a, a realistic type acquisition for the Sox. 
Yeah, I kind of think that same thing with uh, Yasiel Puig as well. I think he's not going to be a target for a, a few teams out there because of his off-the-field stuff or even his on-the-field stuff. But I think the White Sox could use some of that. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. They, I, when I talk about an edge or an attitude or an asshole mentality, you know, like Puig would bring some of that. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Trevor Bauer. But uh, you're my, you, just think about the guys both managerial and then on the field. Um, I mean, A.J. Pierzynski, obviously, prime example of it. And then uh, Ozzy in the dugout, guys that aren't afraid to get fired up. I feel like there's a little bit right. of a uh, lacking of that here. Besides Tim yeah, Anderson. Say besides besides Tim Anderson. See, I, you know, I don't even see it with Tim Anderson, really. I mean, yeah, he threw the bat a couple times, but I don't think he's going to be – he calls people out, you know. That's when, true. When they're not yeah. playing well. You know what I mean? I don't think he's that kind of guy like A.J. was or Trevor Bauer is. I don't know if Puig's really that either, but, you know. Uh, he brings a different level of excitement there, but I don't think Anderson is is like that. Yeah, you're you're really right from, from that aspect. I guess I, I was thinking a little more chaos uh, on field stuff. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah. we're on our first official but, Shy Sox John to bathroom break right now. Oh, there we go. Hey, he lasted pretty long. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I really think they do need somebody of that ilk to come in here and, and do that. I, I don't. I don't think it's a necessity, but it would be a great to have, because you know you want the team to have an edge. You want some storylines during the year. The old five team definitely had it. You know, a lot of these other teams have have some great storylines uh, that are even in you know running right now for the World Series. The Sox, you know, you can you can run a storyline on Tim Anderson. You can run it on Lucas Giolito, but you know, for as good as some of these guys are. I don't want to call the White Sox bland because I don't think they're exactly bland, but they need something else, in my opinion, to yeah. be a little bit more. I don't know if it's nationally recognized, but I think that would put them more on the map. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I think I think bland is a pretty good word. Even even the like super talented guys, like you said, Giolito and Mancata, those guys aren't really out there trying to f- bring limelight to the team. You know what I mean? Anderson, maybe a little bit. Um, but even Abreu, yeah, if you bring Abreu back, he's he's not going out there and trying to yeah, make headlines. Yeah, he's not doing that either. You know, no, it, he's just a professional hitter, and that's what he is. But he's not he's not going to bring uh, the national news to to Sox Park. You know, no, I th- I think Eloy might be kind of there, but for a different reason. Um, I think he's almost too nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, at, he, at that point, he's he's, he's like he's like a nice happy guy. <laughs> You know, and yeah. I feel like I've criticized him a fair amount just for his kind of on the field antics. I mean, I, I saw the guy in left field catch a balloon, play with it, and then pop it with his spikes this year. You know, just and he's like <laughs> having fun with the fans. Johnny, you were there one game. I think he, people were trying to get him a Modelo. They're, they're taking his beer order. Yeah, they said Modelo or Bud Light. What do you want, Eloy? And he, I believe, he <laughs> responded Modelo. So, oh, yeah. you know. It, <laughs> You know he's he's out there having a good time. He's waving to the camera. He's doing his stuff. But I really think the team lacks that you know really killer instinct. And you get that out of a guy like like a Trevor Bauer. I know he's not going to be on the field every day, but you can you can just right. imagine him in the dugout screaming at some of these guys. You know, kind of right. whipping their ass into shape. And you know, I'm I don't think anybody's going to be his best friend, but he's definitely going to keep people honest and, and trying. And, uh, you know, somebody who gets kind of a bad rap for it, Adam Eaton, we ha- we did have an asshole, and he kind of got ran out of town. Yeah, 
that's true. Um, you know who was kind of like that with surprising because when he was on the Tigers, I didn't really see much of it at all. But when he got to the Cubs, Castellanos was all over the place. Like he was a different guy. Now I don't know if he's going to do that if he signed with the Sox. I don't know. He's trying know to get paid. Way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how that would be, but he was a different guy on the Cubs. And if they didn't have him, they would have been under 500, in my opinion. I think he won them a lot of games down the stretch. Fuck, he tore us up his whole Tigers career. Maybe it's just something in the air in Chicago. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just but remember. He's one of those four guys. I, I hope we get two of them. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, maybe J.D. Martinez you could throw in there, too. I don't know how realistic that is. We'll see. But two of those five guys, I think we need two of them. Azuna, uh, Martinez, uh, Abby, Puig, and Castellanos. I just remember Castellanos uh, playing on the south side. I think it was opening the home opener. I'm not sure if it was opening day, but the home opener in 2017. And everybody yeah. just ripping on him for his turtleneck. That was the year that they had the rain out. And so opening yeah. day had like 20 people in the park. And my brother and I uh, bought tickets for like five bucks, came in, sat right behind third base. I believe he was playing third base that game. And everybody was just ripping on him, calling him turtleneck. <laughs> and I've hated him ever since. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan either, but he really turned it on when he got to the Cubs. If he's that player, then I would like to have him. <laughs> I think I think what you're getting at with those guys that you had mentioned, Ken, is those are guys that are going to move the needle. It's not your John Jays. It's not your uh, you right. know, just mid- middle of the road guys. And those are guys that move the needle, at least offensively. I know Castellanos has deficiencies uh, out in right field, but um, shit, I would take that uh, bat any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I got one more question for you guys. Is Rick Renteria the manager the next time we go to the playoffs? I was actually going to slip that question in. We didn't have time for it when we were uh, going through uh, your questions, but I, I really like that question back, and I, ho- I hope you answer this one as well, and I'll kind of take the first one here. I, I think he is just because the White Sox front office is so loyal to um, to their own fault here, and I yeah. don't think that the White Sox go to the playoffs because of Rick, Renter- Rick Renteria. I think they do it in spite of him. I don't know if he's the kind of manager that I'm really going to trust in the playoffs, though. Um, one of the things that Steve Stone had, had tweeted out the other day was you know, how baseball kind of goes in its cycles right now. It's all about hitting the long ball, and that eventually it's going to you know go back to the small ball. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Maybe it's just because Ozzie Guillen was the manager of the White Sox the last time that small ball was a thing, and they got they got to the World Series and won it, and they did it very well. Best playoff team in, yeah. in all of sports. But I don't really trust Rick Renteria the way that I do Ozzie Guillen with that type of thing. And, you know, we talk about having somebody in the clubhouse who's an asshole. You got a guy right now who's doing your postgame shows who I think would be really good at managing this team in Ozzie Guillen, somebody that's going to keep people honest. I, I didn't really like a lot of the way that uh, Ricky managed this season, especially with the goals thing that he talked about. You know, at one point in the year, he's talking about how he doesn't look at the record and it's all about the the process and, you know, seeing guys mm-hmm. improve. And then he comes out at the end of the year and he says, well, our goal was to be 500 this year after you already have no clear shot of making it there. So I think there's a right. lot of just weird speak on his part. I, I'm not really sure if he's the kind of guy that takes a team and, and turns them into winners. He hasn't done that before. You know, he's been around a lot right. of ball clubs where, 
you're in the rebuild phase, there's not a lot of pressure. Well, you know, he's already said so far this year, it's time to turn the page. Well, this is uncharted territory for you. I'm not saying that he can't do it. He just doesn't have a pedigree to do it. So, you know, we're in uncharted territories here. You're going to have to prove it. This is it right now. Um, but for some reason, you know, the, the, the Sox talked about they've already extended him quietly. I really wonder if they have him on as short a leash as I do in my mind. Right. Yeah, so I think he is. And one thing that I wanted to bring up is he signed kind of the quiet extension. Does anybody even know how long it is? I think that's not public information. So I don't. Um, I was about to bring that up, too. No one. No one really knows except for, you know, the front office and uh, Rick himself. So uh, I think that was probably, you know, uh, for these, you know, first, at least I would say the next two, um, I would probably guess it's three even. And I would see us getting in there, um, I would imagine, in 2021, 2022. So I, I think he still will be around. That's just my take on it. Okay. I think that you you kind of alluded to what I was going to get into which is that contract extension that he signed that nobody knows the numbers on, nobody knows the length, nobody knows the salary, nobody knows shit about it, which I, doesn't strike me in a good way at all. So what I think is the White Sox are literally using this poor dude as their scapegoat, and if they don't make the playoffs this next year, or at least a step forward towards playoff contention, I think they're just going to get rid of him. Look at all the managers that just got chopped. Yeah, I mean, I honestly do. I, I know he has good chemistry with the players, and I know that, like, the front office likes him, but realistically, them, like, that shady contract shit to me is just them saying, like, you're here until we figure our shit out, and we don't have a label on when we get our shit figured out, so we're just going to ex- say we extended you. And nobody knows for how long. Only we do. And, like, you, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a catch because that's weird. Like, that's not something that's typical in any professional sport. He's renting that office month to month right now. He's literally, past his he's, lease. Yeah, he's month by month. His, his lease is up, and he is literally month to month right now. It's kind of yeah. like in Washington. Did you see what happened with the Redskins coach, like, a week or two weeks ago? He was yeah. like... Literally, they lose the game Sunday night. He goes, or someone said something about, does he think he's going to lose his job? And he said, as long as my key still opens the door tomorrow, I'm going to go to work. And literally got fired like that morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with uh, the, the first two. Uh, I think he will be there. And only because the White Sox only get rid of managers lately if they fire themselves. And I don't think he's going to fire himself like Ventura did or, <laughs> or uh, yeah. Ozzy did. You know, so I think he'll be there. Hopefully, they make the playoffs in the next couple of years. Um, I don't know if they'll win with him, like the whole thing, but I think he'll be there, which I don't know if I really like, but I think that's just what we're going to have to deal with. <laughs> I hope he's month to month, like you're saying. But there's some good managers out there this year that I, wish I know. I, yeah, I wish game. this could have been. Yeah, but there's so many open spots that we would have got super white soxed and got like the fucking seventh. Oh, it would be the probably. It would be the Manny Machado of the manager uh, side. <laughs> yeah, of Brad Ausmus, we'd get. <laughs> yeah, right. But here, here's the next question too. If you're a managerial candidate, say say for a second here, the White Sox fired Rick Renteria at the end of the season. Don Cooper still holds that pitching coach role and always will for whatever reason because we all know he's in the mob and he's got something over yeah. Jerry. But 
You know, one of the things about being a head coach in any sport is the ability to pick your your staff. What coach yeah, wants agree. to come in here and the staff is pretty much already picked for him by Jerry Reinsdorf and Kenny Williams. I think that that really limits the White Sox availability or, you know, the you know, you talk about it being a destination for free agents. It's not a destination for coaches either to come in here. Right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Any manager that that's worth anything is going to want to make his own hires. Yeah, and I don't think you get that on the south side of Chicago. I no. really don't. No, Cooper will be there for sure. Uh, so, yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it, yep. It's going to have to be somebody from within. A.J. Przinski. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Cubs are I don't like I don't think 80% gonna... about to hire David Ross to be their manager. Oh God! I'm like, I'm like 100% positive that's going to happen. Yeah, I think so too. I think he'll he'll end up there. I think that's who they want because I think Theo wants to be able to have his input oh, but, more than yeah. he did with Madden. Here's another question: Will Kenny Williams be around the next time the White Sox win a World Series? <laughs> oh man, uh, probably because he's in the mob too. Uh, I I heard on a, on on the 108 podcast this morning, uh, Josh Nelson. He said that Kenny Williams is supposed to get more involved this offseason, which I don't know about you guys, but that's something that I'm happy with because I think he's more likely He'll to get Reinsdorf to, to uh, spend some money, to talk in, him into spending money than Han is. So I know a lot of people don't like Kenny Williams. I tend to think that he did pretty good when he was the general manager. Um I'd like to see him get more involved because I think if he's more involved, we're more likely to get a couple guys, you know? Well, if you put that into consideration, you think about what Kenny Williams did in his tenure, and he was really never afraid to spend that money. And, you know, I actually kind of like your thinking on this, Ken, um, Mm -hmm. because Rick Hahn really hasn't proven as a GM, to me at least, that he can make the moves to bring in talent. It, it's not always going to work. Obviously, Kenny's always gone for the the stereotypical guy who's a little bit over the hill and whatnot. And you know, we talked right. about it on Socks on Tap, Johnny Nelson Cruz last off season. That would have been a perfect target for the White Sox. I know I wasn't pining for for Nelson Cruz. In fact, I was advocating against making. Uh, I definitely was. I was. That was like my guy. That I, well, that Michael, Michael Brantley, Brantley. Was, was your first guy, but you know, if Kenny Williams was calling the shots, I feel like you would have you would have probably patchworked this team into a playoff spot. And I talked about addition by subtraction, um, just in the in the Minnesota Twins standpoint. If, if Kenny's more involved in this offseason, that's great. The only problem that I have with this is going back to the clear direction of who's in charge and the miscommunication that was apparently you know, very evident to everybody out there after the whole Machado mishap. You've got yeah. Kenny Williams saying one thing. You've got Rick Hahn saying another. Um, you know, mm-hmm. And I, just, I feel like from a, from a, a fan standpoint, you kind of want to know the direction of your team and you want some sort of transparency. And the White Sox have not been transparent in what their goals are what their timeline is and what the what the overall general direction is because you've got right. you've got some some PR moves 
coming out here from Ed Farmer, Steve Stone, a lot of the guys who are on the broadcasts, you know, your Chuck Garfines, your Ryan McGuffey's on the White Sox talk, you know, all the all the people who are tied up corporately with the White Sox telling you, you know, be patient, be patient, be patient. But then if you go back to the beginning of this thing, you've got Rick Hahn telling you this is going to be an accelerated rebuild. So I'm yeah. still back in the in the mentality that they they entrusted Rick Hahn with getting this done and getting it done quick. And now I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the 108 show yet with, with Josh, but if you're telling me now that Kenny Williams is going to be more involved, that raises a red flag for me that the White Sox aren't as, uh, you know, they don't have as long of a leash on on Rick Hahn and as a lot of, uh, the same trust that they did at the beginning of this if they're going to say, well, Kenny Williams is going to be more involved. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. Um, I prefer Kenny Williams because I think Rick Hahn does a lot of lawyer speak and doesn't really tell you anything. He says a lot but doesn't tell you anything. Um, we've got Kenny a, we've got a bingo game for that, Ken. Oh, do you? Yes, we do. Uh, next time there's a, a Rick Hahn press conference, be sure to check the Shy Sox Weekly account. We, uh, we normally post our, our bingo card to see if uh, he'll hit the key terms. We'll have to update oh, it for sure this offseason. Quite often, <laughs> but yeah, but, no. uh, Kenny Williams will tell you like I think he tells more of the truth side of the story than Rick Hahn will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he said it best though. Lawyer speak, we've used that a lot. I think that's been thrown around. Everybody knows, you know, Rick Hahn's background educationally. Um, I mean, it's in his it's in his DNA pretty much, and uh, right. he's gonna step around questions like you had said. Uh, so a lot of mm-hmm. lawyer speak for sure. So I agree with you on that front. Um, just those conflicting messages last year made me honestly hate both of them. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <clears throat> so the uh, Astros and Yankees game still on. I don't know if you guys know that or not. I yeah, guess yeah, I got it like on eight three. Yeah. yeah, I guess the Yankees have like a total of like eight thousand people left in the stadium. Yeah, what's the yeah, score on that game? The eight three. Eight, uh, eight, the eight, Astros three, are winning. It's the bottom of the ninth. I'm about to turn it on. I don't even know it was still on. It's fucking eleven thirty. <laughs> well, we've we've definitely we've definitely kept Ken uh, longer than we told him we were going to keep him. But I, oh yeah, I sorry appreci- about the ten forty five. Yeah, that was a lie. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> no I appreciate problem, I appreciate I you fun. sticking around. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. Guys, yeah, I- any other questions you want to ask us before we let you go, Ken? <laughs> no, I'm good. You're good. All right. Yeah. Is that enough of us? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely th- not. Th- once again, yeah, th- thanks for everyone here. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting offseason. I'm sure we will interact with you on Twitter and uh, get your thoughts more when these moves, uh, dominoes, start to fall. So, All right, great. Looking forward to it, guys. Yeah, Ken, thanks again for coming on. Um, you know, uh, and, and thanks again for, for writing that Harold Baines article over at ontapsportsnet.com. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you can uh, throw another one up there if you ever uh, – feel the need to write again like you said uh you've got a you've got a home here uh to write whatever you uh you want to and i appreciate you coming on and talking white Sox baseball with us i had a great time hey anytime man thanks a lot i appreciate it all right have a good night man all right we'll see you ken bye all right everybody that was ken wo you can find him at twitter his handle is at ken wo for life um we appreciate you coming on ken uh, we would it would be a pleasure to have you on again. Like we said, hopefully we can get you to write another uh, article for ONTAP here soon. 
other than that, uh, it was a pleasure to to talk socks with you guys again. It feels like it's been like a whole fucking off season already, and we haven't even got to the winter meetings. We kind of faded out at the end of the year there, and we do apologize for that. So um, we hope you guys enjoyed this season wrap up. It was nice to kind of pick Ken's brain and get some of those tweets in word form. Um, other than that, you guys got anything else before we close this out? Yeah, one thing I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, definitely thanks to Ken again for coming on. And, um, you know, we kind of were all over the board there. Uh, there were a lot of topics, uh, a lot of things that just kind of came up uh, in the flow of the conversation. So um, we hit on a lot of good stuff, though, when it came to uh, recapping this last season and then also looking forward to the offseason and what this, you know, 2020 season is going to look like for the White Sox. So um, we do want to do a little bit more of a reflection on our next episode. So if you remember back when it was still ShySoxWeekly.com, we made our predictions. So we you're going to air ourselves out next time on that. Yeah, uh, not looking forward to uh, all my terrible predictions there, but uh, we, we went a little bit longer with Ken than we, we thought we would, which is which is a good thing. Um, I was really excited to have Ken on, and uh, like you said, we, we hit on a lot of good stuff, guys. Um, it, just same thing as last year, though. Uh, we're going to be here through the offseason um, talking White Sox baseball with you guys and uh, we'll put an episode out as much as we possibly can and you know uh, have reactions to any of the the more breaking stuff like we did last year um, and obviously follow over at uh, socks on tap we've got the same thing going on um, maybe a little bit quicker um, reactionary stuff but uh, it's always good to circle here and and get some good guest takes uh, on what's going on in white Sox baseball as well really excited for uh for a good uh, off-season worth of coverage uh, on both those shows. Yeah, absolutely. Like Tony had said, um, I, you know, socks on tap too, doing like the quicker reaction stuff. Um, while we're on the on tap thing, just really quick housekeeping stuff. Uh, John and I, we are over on Big Ten on tap. Um, it, we've been, you know, busy these last couple of weeks getting these episodes out, but um, they'll be playing to rant about both Northwestern and Illinois football. So if you're a fan of that at all, uh, go and check that out. And then for all the other teams uh, on tap, as you covered Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears, fantasy football, uh, Notre Dame, if you're a fan of them, uh, we got it all. So you can go to ontapsports.com/podcast. Yeah, sorry if you are, but ontapsports.com/podcast. You can find all that there, Jonna. Yeah, no, um, Big Ten on tap, definitely been rolling. I think we're about five episodes in, uh, and I love the banter back and forth. It's great because while this is uh, us all agreeing on the White Sox, that show is Johnny and I disagreeing about Illinois and Northwestern for the most part. So I actually agree. We've, we've been pretty we've been pretty civil. fair-mannered. You've been yes, civil. Yes, we have. To this, to this point, um, Illinois and Northwestern do face each other in about a month, so I'm sure that'll kind of turn a corner but other than that yeah like like you guys had said we're gonna try and pump out uh semi-frequent off-season episodes keep you guys updated keep our thoughts in your heads about what we think the white Sox are doing with the off-season what we think they could do better what we think they fucked up on you know we're good at that so other than that um i appreciate you guys and until next time i will unless tone you got anything else what, what have you cooked lately <laughs> I made um, fuck. What have I made? I made like I made pulled chicken sliders a week ago. Ooh, um, that sounds good. Or two weeks ago. I I mean I I've been wanting to get back into sloppy joes. I've only made them once so far this year. That's probably why Northwestern sucks. That's like the key to success is you got to make sloppy joes on Saturday. It's only but, crazy uh, if it doesn't work. Literally. So, but other than that, honestly, I haven't been cooking a whole lot. You've been, you've been batting still. You still batting? I've been big a, better guy. No. Okay. So. 
Um, I was doing most of my bets online. I do have a sports book that I want to go check out. That's like it's already legal to bet there in like the I think it's like the east side of Chicago. Um, but I haven't been betting online because my card no longer uh accepts international transactions and that's like where all those betting websites that to, to like take the web the money out of your account they'll say they're from like fucking finland or like fucking i don't know the ukraine was the last one and i i was literally on the phone with this dude for like three fucking hours and then i told him i didn't want to cancel my card specifically like i don't want to cancel my card i just want you to approve this transaction because i'm okaying it and not only does he freeze my fucking account, cancels my card, can't touch my bank account for like five days. So that was probably close to two months ago, and I just haven't even tried since. So like, big, I've been b- so pissed big better about guy it. got big, canceled. Uh, big, big Gov shutting down the big better guy. You hate I think to it's see. A, I think banks, it's off, the off season it. of big better guy. I did find a place where I placed a hundred dollar bet on Northwestern to win like twelve hundred dollars like a month ago, and they choked at the end. Like honestly, they were in the game. Like for a good majority and they just choked it in the third quarter and i was about ready to punch a hole in my wall so that was fun and that's yeah. your yeah. your 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 monthly update on what's going on in china's life China's, yeah right uh, still working towards my second job promotion i got promoted a couple months back so that's why my availability has been like absolutely dog shit if i get promoted again it's probably gonna get even worse so we'll obviously figure it all out but other than that um yeah life's life <laughs> Life's and, life sometimes. And that's, that's your segment about Shy Sox Janda. Shy Sox Janda's <laughs> Diary of the Week. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, that's all I really have for tonight. Um, this was fun. It's always a fun time when, when we get together and, and talk White Sox baseball. Uh, oh, hopefully yeah. we'll get to do it again soon. Um, as Johnny said, uh, be sure you're checking out on Tap Sportsnet. Uh, we got a ton of content over there. Just like those guys are over on um, Big Ten on Tap. Johnny and I, if you're a Hawks fan, uh, be sure to check out Blackhawks on Tap, Four Feathers Podcast. We're talking Hawks all year. Um, but other than that, guys, let's go Sox. Spend, Spend the damn money. Spend yeah, the damn money.